Commander, you have devoted your life to the study of cybernetics in general. Yes. And Commander Data in particular. Yes. And now you propose to dismantle him. So that I can learn from it and construct more. How many more? As many as are needed. Uh, hundreds, thousands if necessary. There is no limit. A single data, and forgive me, Commander, is a curiosity. A wonder even, but thousands of datas. Isn't that becoming a race? And won't we be judged by how we treat that race? Now tell me, Commander, what is data? I don't understand. What is he? A machine. Is he? Are you sure? Yes. You see, he's met two of your three criteria for sentience, so what if he meets the third? Consciousness in even the smallest degree. What is he then? I don't know. Do you? Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Discovery. Today, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard Episode 2, Maps and Legends. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? You know what? I'm watching, I think I said this last week, I'm watching Star Trek and I'm watching Doctor Who in the same week. No complaints. Glad to be here. All right. Awesome, man. Glad to have you on once again. And also on the podcast, we have the Trek Storian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? Uh, doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, I had a day off today, so trying to get a lot of odds and ends done and wasn't very productive doing that either. So, yeah, release for talking about Star Trek. So that makes a good day. Hey, man, it happens. It happens. And also on the podcast, we have the Stargate story and Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well. I have done nothing all day long, and I'm damn proud of it. Slacker. <laughs> you will not be accepted in the Starfleet Academy, sir. <laughs> or when you show up, you might have to spill out your name every time, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, we want to thank all you guys who are listening. We see the numbers going up. Star Trek Picard is here and people are showing interest. So thank you all for joining. Please head on over to the podcasting platform of your choice and leave us a rating or review. Ratings or reviews help us get discovered and get more listeners into the fold. So we really appreciate it, guys. And thank you for coming along for this ride. All right, guys, we are diving straight into Star Trek Picard, Episode 2, Maps and Legends. Picard begins investigating the mystery of Dodge, as well as what her very existence means to the Federation. Without Starfleet support, Picard is left leaning on others for help, including Dr. Dorati and an exchange former colleague, Rafi Musiker. Meanwhile, hidden enemies are also interested in where Picard's search for the truth about Dodge will lead and if you have not seen this episode spoilers spoilers red alert all hands stand the battle stations i'll give you the right you cannot destroy an idea at ease before you sprain something all right guys we are ready to go around the horn and get the high level high level view of this episode and i'm going to start with jeremy what do you think man so it was commented last week that the first three episodes kind of act as the pilot. And while it was a good episode, this very much seems like the the middle of an actual episode. Yeah, I definitely can see that. <laughs> I definitely can see that, man. It was much slower, in my opinion. But, John, what do you think, man? What's your high-level view of the episode? Mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, the first one was interesting. The second one was not 
interesting at all. And and I say that without you know without the information from the next episode and the overall story. But even even saying that, like you should build interest. And I don't think the second episode added anything more than the first. Interesting. <laughs> All right, Mr. Jones, uh, what are your thoughts? Okay, on this so I hate so so Jonathan, I hate to do this to you, but I have to disagree. I, while I don't think it was, you know, as you know, there was there was not as much going on. Of, I agree with the fact there was not as much going on as it was in the first one. I think it laid some groundwork that will further take us in the season that I think we needed. Again, didn't feel like there was as much, but at the end of the day, I enjoyed it. So that's my two cents. Clarence. Good, good points. Good points, Cal. And as for me, I think the devil's in the details. I think on first viewing, you're, there's a lot of stuff packed underneath that you really have to kind of dig into. But I do think there is a lot on this in this episode. But for me, I think the its biggest sin is the fact that it ends on like a dud. Like the episode was over and the credits started rolling. I'm like, what? Did I miss something? Yeah. <laughs> so I went back to rewind and watch it again. But nope, that's how it ended. And that's this is like the worst ending I've seen of even going back to like the first two seasons of Discovery. Like it ends on just nothingness you're right and i I pose this question to you guys do you think we could have done without this episode just say no no i've watched it three times and uh short of one scene and one bit of information uh i think everything else was just not important or enlightening hmm like I seen a lot of potential. Like there were some things that like they opened the door to, but immediately closed it. Okay. Well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. And again, like from my opinion, I think there's several parts in this episode that make it very good and very deep. As uh, if you saw the, I don't know if you saw the ready room with Will Whedon, um, where they talked about, they said Picard is more of a drama where discovery is more of an action adventure. And I do feel like this, especially this episode, it was low on action, but we do start with a huge action sequence. In my opinion, uh, in the cold open, we get a glimpse of the moment when the synthetics actually <coughs> turned on the Federation at Utopia Clinician shipyards, which uh, it says it's uh, 2385, 14, 14 years prior to the events that we're in, we start with, with Picard, um, first contact day. Um, so I just want to get you guys' thoughts on this, this view of what actually happens at the shipyards. I really love this scene. <laughs> I really love this scene, man. It, it, it did so much in just a few minutes of, of footage. So, uh, just anybody have any thoughts on this opening sequence where we see the synthetics, rebel question mark Mm. so okay so i say there's two parts in here that kind of maybe interesting and this would have been one of them uh but i mean again not much like they opened the door and then like closed it on me but uh, so 
you know, we well, what I assumed was that the synthetics attacked. The synthetic attack was from outside of this operation. It shocked me to find out that they were running this shipyard with mostly synthetics. <laughs> Unless we're to assume they were part of the skeleton crew. So that that was one thing. And the second thing kind of stood out to me was if we go back to the measure of a man in TNG, uh, one of Picard's arguments, or which Guinan kind of points out to him, is that you know if we're not careful and we don't decide what rights we're going to give synthetic life forms, we could end up with a whole generation or a whole race of people just used for slave labor, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what I've seen here. And then it just kind of didn't go any further into it. I know we could probably get back into it, but yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, you're hitting like right where I was looking at. Uh, Picard's argument um, in that proceeding, they had to determine Data's rights. He hits on this very thing, and I I'm just like taken right back there when we see this room opens up, opens up and uh, this guy. Good morning, plastic people. Yes, exactly. Wow. (laughs) And to see this, can you say race? I think they debated it in measure of man. Is it a race or not? Once you have a lot of them. Uh, For the sake of argument, let's call it a race. Yeah. And you see where for all intents and purposes, they're just slave labor. And, you know, you, you have again, you have to make that argument that Picard made in the measure of man, like what determines if this being has any sentience. Now, this being isn't nearly as advanced as data is. We can see that very clearly. I mean, they're making jokes of the guy, uh, F8 or whatever. But I think you have to start to ask those questions. So I just love the call back to that, that to that uh, episode, Measure of Man. And it made this whole thing like even more um exciting to me so i love this whole starting sequence did anybody else have any thoughts on it yeah yeah i do um one thing that i've found interesting of course the good morning plastic people that was my first note that i made the other one would be you can't offend them they're not people and i know you go back into the past you look at american history i guarantee you there were people that would have said you can't offend them. They're not people to help, you know, in their mind, resolve the wrong things that they were doing. So I thought that that was interesting. The other thing I wrote down, F8. I'm, I'm curious if the name fate. F8 is like fate. Exactly. Yeah, I found that interesting, too. Hmm. And, and, and again, like it's. It's in a nutshell everything Bruce Maddox argued against Data. He he called it it and thing, and we see here we are in what way in the future, and they're treating these synths the same way. You know, at least it has a name. I give it that much, but they're making jokes, pretty much just belittling it, um, and it is obviously part of their team. <laughs> but I mean, just, go ahead. Well, um, something else is interesting, and it, I, it, I kind of, it kind of crossed my mind the first episode. I didn't think much of it to this episode, but like you can tell, there's a difference of, well, there's a different perspective about synthetics now, just by everyone calling them synthetics. Yeah. You know, and when da- Data was around, they were androids yep. or artificial life forms, but they've pretty much taken all of the human or life wow. out of it. Wow. And now it's just synthetics. And then, as humans do, 
we're too lazy to say the full thing, so we cut it even shorter and say Siths. And I guess now he's going to be a Dark Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Execute Order 66, anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts, Jeremy? Well, you know, uh, to me, it would almost, they were almost trying to make F8 kind of one of the guys, the way they were treating him, you know, like, you know, did you, did you get in trouble last night? And he goes, hell yeah. And especially the especially the one lady, you know, who seemed, uh, I guess, sympathetic towards yeah. towards him and everybody else. You know, they weren't except okay, the one woman was, but they weren't demeaning towards him. But you know, they they still separated him from right. the the organics, but still kind of make wanted to, I guess, make him feel part of the team. I guess to make themselves more comfortable with it. Yeah, and and you even have where they're trying to make jokes. Which I'm not even sure I got the joke they were trying to tell, <laughs> but I don't think there was really a joke there, it, other than like we're gonna make a really simple joke that he won't get. Yeah, I but mean, to to me on that they were calling back to data a little bit because you know you'd always see a joke being told and data didn't get it and they had to explain to him you know and kill the joke. Yeah, so I felt that was kind of a callback. Uh, one more thing before we move on. Uh, they made a reference to the Una Amino matrices of the replicators. And I think that's a callback to the short trick where number one created her own matrix based on the Gupta Katzman hybrid. And she created Yeah. yeah. So I think that was a, a reference back to that, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh, and uh, the only other thing that struck me was, did it seem like with the whole eye thing that maybe he was receiving orders? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I made the reference to Star Wars Order 66. Something triggered in him, and I'm imagining every other synth on that base, which we didn't get that view, so I don't know if that's true or not, to send a command to make those drones turn on the the Mars colony or the uh, Utopia Planitia. So you saw where these, I guess the satellites turned and started firing too. So, and that's another thing. The satellites turn and we don't necessarily ever see them fire, but when they turn, it looks like they're turning toward earth, not Mars. Cause I mean, if you look at it, the, like when they do a pan, like a wide angle view of Mars, you know, it's just the red planet as as you would seem it as it would seem to be, like you think it'd be. But when the satellites turn, it looks like Earth. You see dark and black and blue and lights everywhere. Hmm. And when the attack is happening, I never see anything really coming from space. So Interesting. who knows? Interesting. And my hmm. other question was, are we to believe that Siths are piloting these ships? Because if so, those Siths that we see, like F eight, I don't think I guess they would have been I think it would take more than that to pilot a ship and attack. Pilot. Yeah, I, I think they could pilot. I mean, we don't. I think the ships that were up there may have all, all that space planetary defense stuff was probably all AI driven anyway. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And the last thing about it, uh, why would he kill himself? Why would that be important? Mm, well, he's going to die anyway. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, does he have emotions is what I was concerned with. So usually someone that does a, a terrible act like that, that turns around and kills themselves or someone that like either they had no choice or they regret what they've done or, you know, I mean, we're, we're to believe this is a synthetic life form who, I mean, by all accounts, should not have emotions. I, I think it was all part of the order. That's what I think. But so why would you order the Sith to kill itself? Evidence. I don't know. 
Maybe but, but he's going to be destroyed in the. I mean, his evidence is still there. He's um, yeah. Well, I mean, his brain, his I'm this yeah. not a positronic matrix, but whatever his brain is, he got rid of it. So I don't know. Hmm. What if okay. something literally took control of it and that I mean, pretty much overrode or overwrit anything that was already there? So there wasn't it acting on its own. It's more of a you were just following a command. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to move along. But but again, like I feel like this episode has a lot of little stuff like that you can dive into. And so we're going to try to move fast. And next, we're going to kind of stay on the Picard track as much as possible before we deviate to what's happening um, uh, on in, on the cube. So after the intro, we get to see Picard, Javon and, and Laris reviewing the security footage and they pretty much come to the same conclusion <laughs> we did in the last episode. Like we figure out they erase, they digitally erase the footage. Just interesting stuff here where they're trying to figure out what actually happened. The most interesting thing that comes out of this to me is that there's another secret group. Go figure. That's even more deadly than a tall Shiar, which is the, the Zot Vash. I know John, you're probably going to have problems with this because we've always been told how, um, Fear, fearful everyone are of the Tal Shiar, you know, even the Federation, the secretive group that uh, do these corporate operations under the uh, rumbling rule. So what do we think about the Zat Vash and this this notion that there's some other group even more secretive than they are? Um, I, it's an exciting notion, but again, like I need it more. I didn't get a lot from that other than they exist. I mean, I don't know. I just don't I, 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 I it wasn't that appealing to me. Hmm. What about you, uh, Kyle? What do you think? Mm. You know, I'm kind of in the middle there. I it it was enough to make me interested in it. I I think I wanted more, but I think that was the intent of what they were trying to do. I don't see myself as being disinterested. I did want more, but again, if you're playing a serialized story, that then I think they did what they were supposed to do because I did want more. Jeremy, like any thoughts on the the Zatvash and maybe 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 not them just per se, but this whole notion that the Romulan Empire has this as as Lars put it, a loathing for any Android AI. Uh they don't study cybernetics. Uh I thought that whole idea of that for the entire Romulan Empire was pretty interesting. And one I have not really thought about before. So any thoughts on them being kind of anti-AI? And maybe that's like a call to what we're going through right now in the world. I don't know. But, but doesn't that go against, well, not necessarily go against, but, didn't, but doesn't pretty much every other civilization kind of use AI to a, to a certain extent? <laughs> so them being the only one who doesn't, that would be just like really, I guess, noticeable, wouldn't it? Not really. Hmm. I mean, I don't think you necessarily see a lot of AI in other civilizations. You see highly advanced computer systems, but artificial intelligence, you don't really see much. I mean, even the computer on the Enterprise doesn't really show a whole lot of AI. Mm, I mean, it's, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like it's a really advanced computer system that processes a lot of information really fast. I don't know. Which we know it is. We know it is AI, but to I mean, to show like true artificial intelligence i mean yes starfleet has it but i don't see it in a lot of other so, so kind of like what you're saying is it, it knows to 
say the words red alert when the red lights come on, basically. Right. And I'm pretty sure, like, the computer on the Enterprise is an AI and it does a lot more. And we've seen that. But I'm just using that as an example. You don't see a whole lot of AI from what would all intent and purposes be the most sophisticated computer system in the Alpha Quadrant. I don't know, so, man. I think the Enterprise is, or if we take a, a, a ship, for example, which we're going to take the Enterprise, I think it's doing all sorts of things that that we know about, but it's part of ship maintenance. You could call it a program, not necessarily AI, but I think I think AI plays a large role in that. I, I, I really do. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying Enterprise doesn't have it. I'm just saying it's not blatantly obvious. So to say we don't really see it, it's a surprise for another culture to not really be AI positive. I guess for word <laughs> AI. <laughs> and you know, and you know, it's it's weird. It's almost like you want to get to the point of the conversation, or the, and not necessarily our conversation, but the point of the matter that we're talking. Where is AI ending and sentience begin. What's the difference there? Just where programming leaves, leaves off in AI begins. Certainly once you get into the Android phase, it's definitely moving from <clears throat> AI to, you know, bumping up against sentience in a way. Right. But but again, like what you said, like where does programming end and AI begin? There's certainly systems now in our current 2020 world that might seem like it's smart, might seem like AI, but it's just like programming. So I don't know, man. It's it's um, it, it's kind of weird that they would turn away from something that could probably give them a, an edge, a possible edge uh, against their enemy. So I don't know. It's kind of could weird. it be paranoia? It could be. It could be. Maybe they had a brush with it in the past that we or don't could know it be about. A lesson learned because aren't they a secret? Well, they're obviously a secretive society. So is there something in the Romanian past where they've used to have? Like AI and stuff like this that burned them really hard, and now yeah. they're just so far against it. It just burned them so bad that that now it, they got to get rid of it at all costs. Yeah, that that would be the backstory I would want to see, and that would be awesome. But I don't know if we're going to get that. <laughs> and that's probably what separated the Vulcan and Romulan people to begin with, because I know the Vulcans use a lot of. I guess would be AI. I mean, if you look, if you even go back to watching Star Trek Enterprise. And the Vulcans there, like their their computer systems were, I would assume, was a lot of AI. I don't think I've seen an example of it though. So let's 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 move forward a little bit and talk about this uh, Picard, Larry, Sherlock Holmes, Watson thing <laughs> at the apartment at Dodge's apartment. Mm. So I so again, like on the face of it, this doesn't seem interesting. But I I I got a few things out of it. So. I especially loved how the idea of this um, molecular reconstruction and kind of how it takes the place of a camera being there. They're able to go and use this reconstruction device and see what happened at a certain time. I thought that was interesting. It seems like something we'd see on Discovery more than, you know, um, this show. But I did like that. I don't know why. I thought it was very cool. So. Be that as it may. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, It was very. So I kind of looked at it. I mean, yes, sounds good in theory, but it seemed like a stretch for something different. You know what I mean? Like, I I felt like that was to me, that felt like the writer saying we need something 
super cool to put right here. Exactly. It it was certainly yeah. a bunch of techno babble. That whole scene, techno babble, yeah. techno babble, or techno babble, however you want to say it. <laughs> and even I mean, even normal techno babble, as you say, has some basis in science. So at least you can kind of follow it to make maybe sense. Yeah. Like this made no maybe sense. And I just made a word, maybe sense, but that's okay. <laughs> Welcome to Star Trek. <laughs> so let me ask a question. What do we know about Laris or Laris? Do, do we know, like, you know, she's she's she came across at first as being his, I would say, housekeeper almost. But now she's showing all these other things that she is. Do we know what her backstory is? She's tell she are. Yeah. But so so we did discuss her in the uh countdown comics, remember? Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> that that these are the same two characters. Yeah, so right. so Javon and Laris, basically Picard saved from Yad Beta. That's uh, in the Okay, comic. N- all right, so now that makes perfect sense. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that those were the same two characters in the comic. Yeah, and we we didn't talk about the third one, which um it, it came out last week. So in the third one um, Picard winds up bringing Lars and Shaban back to Earth with them because they couldn't go back um, to live with the Romulans because they were, you know, basically banished from the Talshiar because of their acts against the Romulan people, Ayat Beta. And, you know, so they live with Picard now on Earth. Which the uh, third comic was pretty good if no one's read it yet. Uh, and it kind of closes that story out. Yes, decent. Certainly, certainly. Oh, and there's a little little joke about the Chateau Picard at the end that I like. So, <laughs> All right, let me add this real, real quick before we move on from this character. I knew that I liked her in the first episode. And so after seeing her again this episode, I looked up who was playing her. And the character is played by an actress named Orla Brady. She is British, and she also appeared... In the 2013 Doctor Who, the time of the Doctor, as Tasha Lim. So hmm. I do not remember her. <laughs> she's the leader of the church. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, I thought cool I recognized tie, her from somewhere. Cool tie okay. in there. All right. So let's move on just a little bit further. Um, so Picard gets a house call well let me back up they figure out where asha is uh or that she's out there somewhere so picard figures he has to go out and you know find her it's kind of his call now but he gets a visit from uh morris moritz benayun if i'm saying that correctly probably not who we learn is is an old friend from the stargazer who picard wants to get a physical approval from to be reinstated into starfleet so i have to ask is this just a huge miss here to not bring in crusher oh absolutely unless they're saving hers for something bigger i think it'd actually be a waste for her for them to bring crusher in for just for just a physical it'd just be complete fan service yeah i'd have been disappointed by that too but it would have made sense (laughs) yeah it, it would have but I think if they're going to, you know, save if, if they're going to, because we still haven't seen anybody from like aside from Data from the Next Generation yet. So if they're saving for a, the first big cameo, yeah, I mean, I think you know a physical would be a waste of a waste of a moment. Well, it'd have been cool if they had brought in Doctor Bashir. 
Or Pulaski. Or Pulaski, yeah. They should have brought in EMH. That would have been awesome. Oh, that would have been, cool. been cool. That would have been great. <laughs> but you know Bashir actually had some interaction with Picard because he had that uh, episode where he uh, think um, the Enterprise was Dr. DS9 and Bashir had to use their processing power on their computer to fix some, to try to solve something. Really? And he just kind of walked on the ship and went into the sick bay and started using their thing and Data, data caught him. Really? I don't so remember had, this. Oh, where does that episode? Oh my god, which episode is this? Okay, we'll look that up. <laughs> yeah, we'll look it up and I'll put it, post it. But yeah, that. So and uh, Bashir did talk to the captain. I think they interacted a couple of times then. So I mean that that would have been a cool tie-in. But I'm with Jeremy on that. I think Crusher would have just been a waste of reveal or a waste of. I, just, I, I that wasn't a great time. Well, I mean now what. I, I wish I just wish it had been somebody more familiar with us because they made that such a yeah. big moment. But also what made what I got I started thinking because we've gone back and reviewed all of the classic Picard episodes and we've done the research, we know what they're hinting at here. Yeah. If we did not know, then what is to come in the next few episodes, I'm sure somewhere down the line they're gonna reveal this disease he has. <laughs> And then we're going to be like, oh, but see, we, now we're going to miss out on that moment. Which we're thinking is the Eremotic Syndrome, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, and what I get from this whole scene, again, like I, I find he may be a little bit too curious to jump back in to Starfleet. You know, the whole reason he's getting his physical is because he wants back in after such a falling out, you know, and he's ready to jump back in there. And and we will get into some of the fallout of that right now as we talk about Picard going back to Starfleet headquarters, which we alluded to up top, having to spell out his name. Which, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a conversation with Admiral Kirsten, which I think is a reference to Kirsten Byer, one of the writers. Uh, and again, Picard wishes to be reinstated. <sighs> Boy, one of my favorite. Let's talk about Picard's effing hubris as the admiral <laughs> did she have a valid point 14 federation species threatened to pull out because of picard's actions to be so eager to help the romulans and she believes picard is leading or led the federation to ruin so thoughts on this whole conversation i thought it was a powerful scene so anybody have thoughts on this so um, does it does i'm um, sorry go ahead jonathan no no go ahead i want to hear what you guys mm, so <laughs> d- does it does it put a level of politics in the Federation that maybe we've not seen before? Because mm. that's kind of how that looked to me was you're, you're looking at these member nations and saying kind of like the United Nations, because I think it's a similar concept. You're saying, OK, this one, what do you do? Well, all these others are against it. But then it goes down to what's right and what's wrong. And if the others are against it and you're not trying to protect these people, then kind of that is politics to some degree. Hmm. Well, I think you see, I mean, it's from every example I can remember dealing with Starfleet or the Federation Council or whatever the case may be, it's always been more political. Uh, and you kind of go back to the Dominion Wars in DS9 when Cisco went back to Starfleet and they were trying to convince them to increase security and the, I mean, the 
president of the federation yeah. was like, oh, we don't really, you know, he was hesitant <laughs> because of the political fallout. He just got elected and elected and all that. Uh, Jonathan Archer went back to Starfleet to convince him of something and there was politics involved in that. So I, I think it's always been politics there. It's just, I think Captain Picard is kind of taken back because he's so used to being on the flagship and away from oh. Starfleet. And he has the authorization to act on Starfleet's behalf. He doesn't really have to contact Starfleet all the time or goes back to Starfleet all the time. I mean, he's out there on his own and he's doing it. And now he's having to deal with the bureaucracy, which is probably another reason why he kind of stood back from Starfleet. Hmm. Okay, so let me ask this. Could it also be then that no matter how important any of us think we are, when we're gone, life goes on and it carries on and it carries on without us. And maybe that's then what happened is Starfleet carried on without him. I, I think I, I want to believe that has a great deal to do with it, actually. Yeah. Uh, and and you kind of get that feeling from this. And she kind of says it as much. I mean, I forgot the exact words, but just kind of, you know, you're you're what used to be and you're no longer important and yeah, right we move harsh, on harsh which brings me reminds me and jeremy you and i spoke i, I was talking then but i was told you what i felt like i hit what i thought the problem with the first two episodes were so far for me and it's because all my memory of picard is he was the man he won right oh. and these first two episodes he's been losing yeah the He's been on the losing side of the battle, not because he's older or frail. I get that. But it's just he he's not carrying that air about him. Like, you know what I mean? Right. We we need a win. I need a win. Well, I need Picard to win and, one and then I'll be more into it. And, and I, I think it's because, you know, he doesn't carry that air about him. I don't think the Federation does either. I think right. that's part of his argument that the Federation has changed. And when we think about Federation from the next generation or even even in, in DS9 to up to Voyager, we think of them about not always, but even, at least trying to pursue the the right side of the conversation. I guess maybe the most murkiest part of that is if you think about the uh, marquee in the Federation, maybe a little bit. But for the most part, we think of the Federation as always erring on the side of right no matter what. And or either just erring on the side of a particular captain. True. True. But again, like we said, I mean, he's no longer a captain. And so, or an admiral even. So, it, it's he's he's in a tricky spot. He's in a tricky well, spot. Well, he's still an admiral. Well, he's a an un, un, uninstated? Non-instate? What's the word? Un, <laughs> Decommissioned, retired. retired. Decommissioned, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he's a retired admiral. So, I mean, he really has no power. I mean, he's just like a, right. a, a president that used to be a president. He's still a president. Lady. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and I just love the, her calling on his hubris because he said, oh, you can even make me a, a captain if <laughs> me being an admiral is too much. <laughs> Like wow, yeah, she, that was. <laughs> she threw off into him, man. She threw off into. I mean, you got to you got to give it to him. He went in with a plan. He laid it out. He was ready for it. He wasn't ready for the response, but he but but he he had it all thought out. And I think maybe he has the same problem I do. Like I'm still thinking he's Captain Picard. Yeah. He has a pool here, right? <laughs> Certainly, he he does. He he's not used to being questioned. <laughs> you just tell Picard no. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it's the same thing you got from the kid at the desk. He, right. He's like, name, sir? Picard, like, uh. Welcome Picard. back, Admiral. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think I am? That's my ship up there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, move, moving on a little bit, we get the scene of Gerardi visiting the Chateau Picard. And really not much to be gone at there, except she's telling him a little more, more information about Dodge. Her, her past completely fictional, made up about three years ago. Uh, and then, you know, they talk about the twin a little bit. So not a lot on that scene. But uh, we go forward to a scene where Picard looks in his desk and pulls out his old comm badge Reflects hey, on the before, past, then calls. Sorry, before you go any go, further on that, it's one scene, the scene previous I want to point out. Yeah, go for I it. I just noticed on my rewatch, and it's nothing important, but it's kind of funny. She was picking up a book that yeah. he had, and he says, "Yeah, I never really got into sci-fi much." Hard to believe. Yeah, and the book <laughs> was. I just didn't get it. The book was the <laughs> complete robot by Isaac Asimov, which pretty. What was awesome. it? The complete robot by Isaac Asimov, which oh, you know this. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool tie in there because that's that book is all about AI and robots, the three laws and all that other stuff. So, really? so that's a freaking cool tie in, actually. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, though. That was just pretty cool to me. I just seen it on my rewatch. No, no, glad you pointed it out, man. <laughs> but moving on to the next scene, we see where Picard looks in the desk, picks up, picks up the com badge, reflects on the past, looks into the stars, and then calls his friend Rafi Musica. <laughs> Oh, so we're going to get into Rafi in just a sec, but let's talk about Laris and Picard's notion to go back out on this mission (laughs) and how she's not having it. She's just not having it. Um, We see where Javon tells Picard, you know, you have old friends. What about Riker, Worf and LaForge? He's like, no, I can't bear to see anybody else go through what Data went through. (laughs) So. So I, oh man, I I love that little scene. But again, like I thought of, if you think of those three names, Riker, Worf, LaForge. If you think about um, all good things, those are basically the folks that help them with the exception of Data. So yeah, when Data does kind of help with advice and contacts. Yeah. So you know they go visit him at Cambridge. Yep. Yep. Certainly. Good so, point. So, and it's good. That scene kind of gave us a little information. You know, we were wondering last time whether Jordy was killed. Yep. In the uh, Plantation Utopia incident. And so that kind of acknowledges that he wasn't. Thank goodness. I would have never yeah. forgave him. <laughs> <laughs> so do we think uh, Yaris may be holding something back because she's holding him back? Definitely. To some of Laris? No. I, I mm. think she's on his side fully. Oh, I, well, I agree. She's on his side, but she knows more to it than she's letting but, on, is which is why she's being so overly protective. But she's also Romulan, so it's kind of in their nature to not show their full hand, right? Ever. I, I mean, think, I think she truly cares, but like she knows well, yeah. something's going on, and mm. if he gets involved, he's going to be in some big trouble. Well, she may not fully know what's going on. I don't not think ready she does. To, to say, you know, okay, well, I think it's this. You know, let me. You know, she's got to play CSI some more. Before I mean, she comes to the full answer. I think she's being very forthcoming. She knows uh, the the Zadvash. She's given all that information. Remember, she's been a gone. She's been gone from Romulus as long as Picard's been gone from Starfleet. So, well, how does a former Tal Shiar agent become so 
I don't want to say fearful, but, you know, cautious and protective. Like, uh, you become soft as you live on Earth in a, in a freaking Chateau Picard <laughs> for 15, 20 years. Sure. I, don't know. I mean, think about it from the mentality of you you are the company you keep, kind of what Clarence just said. You you do become more like what you inhabit. So yeah. there you go. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Well, let, let, let's talk a little bit about Rafi Musker and... Uh, I like her. I really like her. We don't get but a small little scene with her and Picard, but man, I feel like she's going to be so much fun for the series. I can't wait Yeah, till we get more of her. Um, she's going to be good. And really, uh, Picard goes to elicit her help, and pretty much he just mentions Secret Assassins and Chateau Picard 86, and she's on board. So she's going to be a fun character. I can't wait. I can't wait. She's an alcoholic. <laughs> and I think we're going to get a flashback sequence between those two, because I've seen like a screenshot of the next episode, uh, and they show both of them in their Starfleet uniforms. So I think we're going to get a nice flashback uh, coming up. So I can't wait for that. That's awesome. Now, why do you think she's mad at him? Hopefully the flashback will tell us because that's a lot of hate that I she has a, towards that man right now. I have a theory. So there she's he's the in in command of the Verity and she's his first officer mm-hmm. by the end of the comic. So they don't really I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> so my my theory is she also got Maybe she got removed from Starfleet or forced to uh, resign or she got ostracized because being associated yeah. with him. And she's kind of upset about that. Hmm. Oh, that's going to be fun once we learn it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, another uh, quick tidbit of something I really liked. Uh, you know, when he picked up the com badge and walked outside to talk to her. Yeah. That, that little motion where he activates it and clips it on. Uh-huh. You kind of see like a proud poke card moment like i'm back you know what i mean yeah because he kind of it was a fast motion you know the rest of the motions through that scene it was kind of slow and steady and just old man like but that comb badge on the shirt and activate was kind of like a snap to salute like you're an old veteran and that's just what you do it's ingrained in you yeah he stood kind of proud when he did that. And he was looking to the stars like, I want to be back out there, which yeah. I, I think was a callback to the family episode at the very end. Um, what's the kid's name? Roberian. I forget the kid's name, but he was like uh, sitting under the tree looking at the stars in a similar yeah, way. In that episode. Yeah, it was. He had a Renee. 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 Yeah. Poor Renee. You know, you know, I'll take it in a separate direction. Look at it from the perspective of the actor and you, 20-something years later, you're hitting that again for the cameras on a series that you finished 20-something yeah, right. years ago. Yeah, you're right. And that's probably 20-something years ago before you actually did that motion. Probably. So that was kind of a proud thing, yeah. I, w- I would have been the same way. I would have probably knocked a hole in my chest. Right <laughs> <laughs> I can just do this again, man. Come on. <laughs> oh man good stuff good stuff so let's get into a little bit of the deception at starfleet command so we see admiral christian clancy informing command a commodore commodore O of car's visit who she calls the hermit of lavar which i found interesting so she she informs um she informs O of picard's rumbling of advanced sense and the rumblings on earth and oh summons 
a Lieutenant Rizzo. So this this whole sequence just threw me left field. I'm like, the Federation is more or Starfleet is more corrupt than we even could have imagined, or at least this Commodore. So any thoughts on this whole scene in this Lieutenant Rizzo and is oh a Vulcan or is she a she has to be a Vulcan because there's no way there'd be a Romulan Commodore, right? Uh yeah. Hmm. But we also the uh other lady is a Romulan, but she's disguised. True. So I'm assuming this is a Romulan disguised as a Vulcan. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, as well as now I saw this because they had like a prosthetics and makeup uh YouTube video. Mm-hmm. And they actually show Commodore O, but they're supposed to be talking about the Romulans, but they show her. So I don't, I don't know if that was unintentional. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, she's definitely not a Vulcan. There's too much emotion played there for her to be a Vulcan. But we're thinking she's supposed to be a Vulcan, or she's at least pretending to be a Vulcan. Mm, yeah, but I mean, when she's with the person that she's that's part of her conspiracy, she doesn't have to pretend anymore. That was her true colors, and that's when she shows her Romulan side to me. True. And she, she so knows when I his... first, yeah, when I first seen her, I was like, huh, a Vulcan. And then when that interaction between her and I don't know the other girl's name, I was like, wait, that's not a Vulcan talking like that. Like, that kind of emotion is not coming from a Vulcan. Yeah. And she knows the existence of the, the Zatvash and she talks about uh, to Rizzo about Rizzo's mission to actually get one of the two um, androids or, or um dodge or asha so she's in it so i, I can't mm-hmm. wait till we hear more of that information but it's I, that threw me for a loop i'm interested in knowing the uh admiral and the commodore's connection here it seems like the admiral and i forget her name i'm not great with remembering these names but like the admiral kind of has a i'm not gonna say a fear so by naval tradition, a commodore is supposed to be like the rank between captain and admiral. Mm-hmm. Or and what? So at, on Memory Alpha, it says that the commodore was actually in Starfleet. They stopped using that term, and that's where rear admiral came in instead of commodore. But it should be right below an admiral. But that admiral kind of seemed like she was reporting in to her. Yeah, I think she's above the admiral. That was my interpretation. What, what? I was that was too, but I, like I don't remember a time hearing the word Commodore used, so I had to look it up just to see. Like, maybe there got to be something above Admiral, and that's a Commodore. So, I was like, I didn't, ne- I've never heard of that. The only Star time Trek. I've heard Commodore in reference to Star Trek was in um, Star Trek Beyond, um, or Star Trek into the, or Star Trek into Darkness. One of those. Yeah, Trek, it was uh, in the darkness that they used it. Yeah. And then, you know, Jordy, there was an episode of TNG where Jordy was marooned on this planet with a Romulan and he kept calling him Commodore. But I think that was just Jordy being Jordy. But that's kind of what made me kind of research this because but I, like you, Clarence, I kind of assumed she was a higher rank than the Admiral. Hmm. But Starfleet says, well, from memory, Alpha, <laughs> it says hmm. that rank is not there. So, yeah. And, and, and honestly, the relationship between uh, Commodore O and Admiral Kirsten Clancy, I think I think Clancy is like a true patriot. I think she's at even though she's kind of brash with Picard, I do think she has the Federation's best interest at heart. And I feel like she's like completely in the dark of what's going on with O. Yeah, I'm sure. Hmm. I, 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 I come so up with true. a better name than O. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The big O. 
I know some good people, bad people named Doug. That's all I'm going to say. Interesting. Hmm. So let's get on talk about the board cube or the artifact, which is not a board cube. A board cube is mighty and unimpotent. So says Asha. The artifact is lost, severed from the collective, broken and vulnerable. That being said, (laughs) has a board cube ever looked so awesome? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Man, that thing Uh, was so cool. And it's so intricate inside. Like, it's a grander thing than... Like you, so you know, all through Star Trek, when we see a board cube, like on the outside looking in, it's like this is the, like a dangerous, dangerous thing. Like this is going to destroy us all. It's so intricate. It's so powerful. But then, like when you see them go into the board cube, it's kind of like this is just a bunch of hallways and alcoves. Yeah, right. like yeah. it really seemed that like it could be capable of causing so much destruction. But this artifact looks like it has a lot to it. Like this is huge. It shows it on a grand scale. Yeah, really so I, I really like that. And um, what about this artifact being harvested for profits? Is this like the Romulans' new frontiers to like, you know, since I don't have a planet anymore, we have to <laughs> harvest board cubes for weapons and technology and like sell it on the black market? What do we think is going on with that? Any, any thoughts, Jeremy? I thought definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I don't know what their end game with this is yet, and it's bothersome. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Because they seem to – I've seen this episode twice, and I've learned nothing about what they're trying to do. Interesting. In other thoughts? Hmm. You know, I think I have to agree with Jeremy. It was disturbing a little bit, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record here. It it did keep me interested enough to where I want to know more. So, Do we know where this cube is? In Romulan space. Okay, down in, I missed maybe where that was, because uh, it seems to be a lot of defense, defensive ships and things out around it. So I figured maybe it was not in Romulan space. Yeah, I, I, I think I remember them saying in the episode that it's in Romulan space. See, I was so, thinking the defensive ships were more a line of what if someone accidentally activates this thing? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the smart thing to do. <laughs> well, they do address that. They say that it's. Um, severed and unable to um, rejoin the collective because the collective basically sees it as a graveyard is kind of how they addressed it but kind of what I found interesting is that all these other races or species are coming to uh, experiment there or be a part of this experimentation to uh, this scientific exploration I, I should say so where they're trying to figure out what's going on here uh, again like we don't know the full story there but I think it's interesting nonetheless um, to see. I think they're trying to build a weapon. What's that? I think they're trying to build a weapon. Hmm. I mean, they're using the shroud of scientific study. And liberation. And the what? And liberation. I mean, they spoke of, you know, liberating these these Borg drones, which we see Asha is a big part of that. Um, Just we don't we don't have enough information yet to to clearly no, see what's going on. But we do see some interesting things there. We see where it's been uh, 5,845 days without an assimilation, and they have to wear these badges. So I'm wondering if these badges allow them to not be seen by the Borg as they roam about the cube, cube or the artifact. Because they said when hmm. you're in a certain zone, you have to wear these badges. Yeah. Huh. So, so if that's the case, doesn't that turn the 
whole argument or the whole statement that this is a severed cube if you have to wear something that hides you? Well, that, severed, from me, the, yeah, severed from the collective. Ah, 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 got you. Yeah, but they're still Borg, you know, so. Got you. <clears throat> hmm. Maybe just because, you know, if, if, if they don't perceive you as a threat, they won't try to assimilate you or attack you. So maybe it just shields them from being a threat or being viewed as a threat. And not necessarily shields their your your appearance, but your presentation, I guess. Yeah. Your threat assessment. It. Gives you a warp bubble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we see where Asha is uh she i guess her and narc find some type of relationship between each other and we see they have a scene with them together and they're keeping secrets um i'm still trying to find out what asha's job is because she kind of just stood there while they were liberating the borg drones tell them it's not nameless it's got a name don't call it nameless like okay really all right but we'll we'll see unless you guys have some information we'll see what her job is actually there on the on the artifact i'm really it looks like she was there to just to kind of catalog what they were doing because hmm. you know as as this romulan was announcing what she was taking off it looks like maybe she was entering it in the computer hmm. and maybe you know just adding more details than what she was saying well why would a doctor be cataloging yeah i would i would expect her to be the main but and then we don't but, know but their she, position of other people. If it's in Romulan space, maybe they don't trust uh, her to actually remove parts. You're right. Yeah. And 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 before we get to like the end, uh, you know, the twist at the end, before the dud at the end of the episode when it was over. <laughs> I, I, let's talk about the varied look of the Romulans. Narek looks almost human. I think you made the com- the uh, point in the last episode that Narek looks almost like Spock from Discovery. It, the Romulans look so vastly different from Romulan or Romulan. Yeah. And I'm used to the Romulans from TNG where they have like a, a tan a t- a pigment to their skin. <laughs> but like these these Romulans just look like people with pointy ears and eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> and even the eyebrows are different. Like I, Like the guy that was conducting the safety orientation for the scientists, like he looked like a elf from lord of the rings <laughs> i mean his eyebrows are like a severe arch or i don't know and then like some are just normal eyebrows and some's ears are more pointier than others and in which if you think about it it's kind of the vibe they went for discovery with the klingons they just tried to show that every person of a race doesn't have to look the same which makes sense but you know for for Narek to look so human it kind of it kind of weirded me out you know what I was telling Jonathan? I missed that he was a Romulan the first time, like in the last episode. I don't know, I'm not sure how I missed it, but I, I did not realize he was Romulan until this god awful scene where they're in her, in, I guess, her bedroom. Awful. And then I realized it. Yeah, I hated that scene oh so much. I just, I didn't care for it the second time. The first time, the second time, I was like, this is really awful. Yeah, I thought it was all right. No. 
it was just, you know, okay, I'm a Roman, I have secrets, and we're going to spend 10 minutes telling you that I have secrets. <laughs> the devil's in the details, man. Secret? Yes, well, so can I. <laughs> we know you're a Roman, we get it. <laughs> well, it was more for the sake scene. No, 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 no. I think it makes it even more sense when we get to the end of the episode where we find out that Rizzo and Narek are siblings. Narek is Rizzo's younger brother. And that there is some, uh, and he works for, I guess, Commander O. And I'm, I'm a little weird out on this structure. I don't know if Rizzo is in charge or Commander O is in charge or Commodore O is in charge. More to find out in later episodes, I guess. But you know, I'm, I'm not too sure on the whole structure there. But I do think it's interesting that we see they're in league with each other, and you have this, these two siblings here, and like, uh, Narek mentions his brother before so who is he the brother of we really need to find that out <laughs> spot mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, let me say this if i if if you want to say sex scenes i would take that sex scene over the uh oh. klingon sex scene anyway. i would hardly yeah. call it a sex scene come on it was just uh, that was not a sex scene yeah well, true, <laughs> true enough but still, yeah, i'm saying if you want to call it that i would take that over the uh, the Klingon sex scene any day. Fair enough. You know, just pretty much agree that Star Trek porn is just a bad idea all the way around. <laughs> I don't know. Jedzia had a moment on DS9. I would have <laughs> gladly watched. <laughs> well, you know, they 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 made the point that this is, this is not your next generation. You know, they dropped some f bombs in this episode, so they're you know they're definitely along that uh, discovery line of adult Trek, surely. So. <laughs> Trek after dark. <laughs> the next podcast. So, <laughs> any other thoughts as we wrap this up and get ready for the next episode? Anything? Or are we just ready just, to get on? Get on with it. I just hope that the next episode justifies this one. Well, again, like Jonathan pointed out in the last episode, these first three are kind of the the pilot or the primer for the rest of the season. So, yeah, you know, this episode I admit just ends weirdly. I've never seen the episode end like that. So, ah, yeah. Even if it had a to be continued tagline on it, it still would have been weird. Uh, I, I, it's just to me like we wasted some production cost here. Like, I think we could have got a lot more in it without giving away the story. But then, like I said earlier, maybe we just need Picard to win one. Mm. And then we'll be we'll be in there. I mean, if you want to do fan service, we need to see Picard have a Picard moment. Right. Wait, are, we, are we taking count? Almost got blowed up. Uh, what else? Uh, got fussed out after with the Starfleet. Denied. Uh, what else? Uh, I don't know. He's, he's uh, not not looking good so far. No, he is not. But see, if we're taking this down the road of drama as opposed to action-adventure, you've got to have your protagonist get defeated, 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 so that when you do get that win, it's a big payoff. But you got to make it interesting up until then, though. Oh, I just, I mean, I and, don't disagree with that. And, I mean, if we're going to the drama, I mean, if, if, if drama's what they're shooting for, they kind of missed the mark on that one, too. Because this episode particularly did not have a whole lot of it was it was kind of like all foam no beer. I disagree, man. That the, I think the Starfleet argument was like some awesome dramatic acting. I really oh. love that. Pretty much anything with Picard in it. I mean, he finds out he's sick, he's about to die. I thought that was great as well. I think the drama was good. I think maybe the balance is what's 
not feeling right so far. Well, I mean, like I said, don't don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. This episode had some moments, and I think that the episode with the admiral was probably one of the better ones. But just kind of overall, it just the whole episode for me just kind of fell flat. Yeah. And I think if I were to pick like one part of the episode that really kind of threw things off, it may have been when they went to investigate the apartment. They, yeah, they, they, they were cutting back and forth between those scenes, but it seems like when they were in the apartment, it was all just a bunch of telling me, you know, uh, I don't know. It, it just didn't feel right. But the Star Trek CSI doesn't really work. <laughs> well, anyway, um, let's wrap this thing up, guys. So. Uh, if you're listening and you have thoughts on the episode, tell us how we're wrong. Hit us up on at discussing Trek on any of the social medias or send mail into or email into fans at discussing dot com. So we're going to go around the horn and see what everybody has been working on podcast related or otherwise or what's been watching. Or, you know, if you want to give a shout out, a plug to anything else, uh, we'll go around the horn and we'll start with John the shorts. Uh, still following along on Relativity Podcast, so that's pretty good. Awesome sauce. Um, other than that, not much. I've been trying to go back and watch some TNG episodes here. Uh, just kind of things that I thought may be a good reference point for Picard. So that, that's that been kind of, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. Kind of takes you back when you watch them, so I, I've been enjoying that. Awesome. What, what about you, Jeremy? Nothing but work and World of Warcraft. Any starships in World of Warcraft? They they did actually release <laughs> a uh, a an allied race called the Mechanomes, which is like kind of like Borg almost, cause they're half robot, half gnomes. So I did get to make me a six of nine. <laughs> okay, World of Warcraft six of nine. Yeah, his name is Six of Nine. I was able to get that tertiary adjunct unit of WoW. Yeah. <laughs> They wouldn't let me get that detail in the name, yeah. but I do have a hunter's pet. His name is Ichib. Oh, nice. Interesting. So, yeah, there's, there's that. And I'm disappointed because nobody has caught the reference yet. Like, nobody has said, oh, that's a neat name. And I'm like, much of I'm, I'm still stuck on 6 9. <laughs> 6 of oh. 9. <laughs> 6 of 9. <laughs> oh. It's already taken. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Do eight of nine? Just have to go back to six of nine. I had to get look. This is not the place to judge people. Uh, All right. Well, name Dixon Hill. <laughs> Kyle, man, what are you working on, podcast later? Otherwise, dude. Well, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, um, if you are a fan of Doctor Who, we are right in the middle of Series 12, and we will be recording our review of Episode 6 tomorrow night. So Doctor Who, Discussing Who at DiscussingWho.com. All right, guys. And uh, for me, always check me out at DiscussingNetwork.com, where you can check out all the things I'm on and the rest of the Discussing Network crew. So definitely check it out there. Also, check out the Relativity Podcast, where we're going strong. Just just go. Listen now. <laughs> listen to the first episode. You'll be hooked. Yeah. Take it from John. <laughs> the very first line will hook you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, guys, and as always, uh, we appreciate you tuning in to Discussing Trek. Again, hit us up on any of the social medias, email. We love to hear your feedback. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper.
Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people A woman on Earth And a man in space Struggling to remain connected To help one another through life and death situations Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos Is the sound of each other's voices Find out more at RelativityPodcast.com Discussing at work.